0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke 24, we're finishing this morning our study of the Gospel of Luke. We have been seeing um, for the last couple of years, we have seen Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the Son of God. He was the Messiah, the Savior. He is the one who died and rose again and gives eternal life to all who believe. As we come to the end of our study, we see Jesus as he ascends back to the Father. He goes back to the Father in heaven. Now, we realize that what happened? Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, became a person, had a ministry for three, three and a half years, was arrested, crucified, then rose from the grave, paying for our sin and conquering death. We're seeing this morning the, the last thing that he does. That's really the ascension. He returns to the Father in the heavenly places. And, of course, the questions could be asked is, uh, what's he doing? What's He doing now? Where is He exactly? What's He doing? What does this mean for us? So as we finish this morning, we really want to look at two things. We're going to see, first of all, the commission, because we'll see it one more time that He gives the commission. It's in Acts uh, chapter 1. This is really the fifth time that Jesus has given a commission, that we see it through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. But uh, we're going to see His commission, and then we're going to see the ascension as He goes back to be with the Father. And as we think about that, where is He, and what is He doing? So we want to be challenged by these great truths as we finish our study of the gospel of Luke. Now, we think about this. As believers, we've been left on this earth with a job to do. We are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. So we're to be witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says we're witnesses of Jesus Christ. We're witnesses of the death and the resurrection of our Savior. But what are we supposed to be doing? Well, we saw that there are the five places in the Scripture that really give what we call the the commission. Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty is what's often called the Great Commission. But in Mark chapter sixteen, Luke twenty four, we saw that. Luke, John twenty one, where Jesus talked to Peter, and then and we'll go to Acts chapter one even this morning where we see that idea about being witnesses. We have been seeing for these last few weeks not only the commission where Jesus really tells these believers that they are to make disciples. It's a twofold thing. It's evangelism and training. Go where people are, lead them to Christ, identify them with Christ, and then train them and equip them to to be faithful believers well this morning we're finishing our study we're seeing the commission one final time found in acts chapter 1 and and the, the truth is as we look at that commission we're not alone uh where is Jesus now? What is he doing? As we study our passage this morning, we see his ascension to be back with the Father. But what's going on and what does he do for us even now? So we'll see that as we go through it. There's a lot as we finish our study of the Gospel of Luke. We're seeing the commission and the ascension. Well, let's begin. We're at the end and and some, you know, we think, wow, are we ever going to get to the end because it's just a long book. There's some great things in it though. As we started back almost 2 years ago or more than 2 years ago, going verse by verse, passage by passing, seeing the background, the birth, the, the, min, the early life, his ministry beginning in all the parts in Galilee and all of the miracles and all the way through. It's just been an incredible study. But we're seeing the one who has died on the cross, paid for sin and rose again, conquered death and uh, gives eternal life. We saw for the last few weeks we've been seeing these the number of his resurrection appearances. Because we said that when you just say that the proof of the resurrection is the empty tomb. No, it wasn't. Because the people went out to the empty tomb and they didn't believe because it was the empty tomb. They believed because they saw the resurrected Lord. And so that's the key to this whole thing. We've seen his resurrection appearances. Well this morning, really two final things. It's, it's that whole idea of, of the resurrection and uh, the appearance and, and the commission and then his ascension. Let me, let me show you this. Give, me, give you the outline for it. We're gonna, we'll start with Luke and then we'll switch over to Acts and we're going to look at verses 3-9 through nine in Acts and we're going to see the commission ascension. We're going to see where he talked about working on the earth for 40 days, about the power of the Holy Spirit. They they ask some questions. He gives the commission, and then he ascends to the Father. Then we'll go back to Luke, and we'll look at verses 50 through 53, and we'll see the ascension there. It's actually the same event, told a little bit differently. It's by the same author. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Luke wrote the book of Acts. So it's the same author giving us the event, just a little bit differently the way he talks about it, and we'll see it. Let's start first, Luke chapter 24. We're right at the end. In fact, we're we'll looking at it, verse 50. If you remember earlier in Scripture really, we we read verses 50 through 53. Well, let's see what happens. Look at verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now this takes place at the very end. That book of Acts tells us that he walked on the earth for 40 days. Now think about it. after his death and resurrection. He came to the earth. He lived about People want to say He began his ministry About age 30 The Gospel of Luke tells us That he was right about age 30 He began his ministry Most believe that the ministry Was about three Three and a half years So probably at about the age 33, 34 Jesus died Was buried Rose again three days later And then Acts 1 says He walked on the earth For 40 days And then ascended Into heaven So what we're seeing here is says That here's that 40th day It said He led them out As far as Bethany And lifted up his hands And blessed them Now he led led them out there. That's the apostle, that's the eleven, that those who had believed in him, those who had been commissioned by him, and uh, he had taught them for three, three and a half years. They'd seen his ministry, they saw him die, they saw him rise again, they, they saw his appearances. They're about to see one final thing, and that's his ascension. And it says they he led them out as far as Bethany. Now, Bethany was a little village on the top of the Mount of Olives. If you remember, Jerusalem's built on Mount Zion, sometimes called Mount Moriah. That's where the city is built. And on uh, sort of the, the eastern side of the city was the temple. If you would leave the city, go down out the, at the eastern gate and go down the side of Mount Zion or Mount Moriah, cross a little valley called the Kidron Valley and go up to the other side, there's another hill called the Mount of Olives. And on top of that hill is a little city called Bethany. There was also so another little city on top of that mountain called Bethage. Well, it says he took them out as far as Bethany. If you got at Bethany and looked back across, you could see Jerusalem and you could see the temple. And so it says that he led them out as far as Bethany, that little bitty village there, and it said he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. This is what he's doing. He's leaving them to carry on the ministry. And blessing them is his way of of saying, you know, I've done it all, and now I'm giving you the responsibility. And... uh, He's given them a commission. And let's see it because what we can do is we can stop right there and turn over to the book of Acts. Now, you know, the next book, of course, is John. If you're right there at the very end of Luke, then there's John and the next book is Acts. So just turn one book on back and then you'll find the book of Acts right after the gospel of John. And we're just going to go very quickly at just some of these verses at the very beginning. This is the same event. Same author, same event, told just a little bit differently. And so Luke is going to tell us what happened in details. Because in the Gospel of Luke, he doesn't tell us... What happens that final day? Now, I want you to picture this. This is the 40th day since J- Jesus rose from the grave. He has been seen by by these people a number of times. Remember, he was seen by Mary. He was seen by the two by the, by the women. He was seen by the two guys on the road to Emmaus. He's been seen by Peter. He was seen by the 11 people. And these are verses and passages we've already seen. Seen by the 11 in the room. He was saw by the six guys out by the Sea of Galilee. He was seen by the 11 on the mountain, which we saw last week. So we've seen all these appearances. Well, here's the last one. This is on the 40th day. He's going to ascend into heaven. He's come outside the city, and they've come to this little place called Bethany, and he's going to talk to them one final time, and and uh, we're going to see what he does. It uh, uh, he, he, uh, w- Watch what he does. Verse 3. Now, this is uh, the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke telling us what he did. To these, and he's talking about to his apostles, to the men that he had chosen, to these, this is verse 3, to these he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So Luke kind of puts it all together says over forty days he appeared to them in a number of ways that they saw it many convincing proofs. And as I said a while ago, uh, Mary saw him. The women saw him. Two on the road to Emmaus saw him. Uh, Peter saw him. Eleven of them saw him. When you get to the to Paul's writings later, he says at one time, five hundred people saw Jesus at once before he ascended back into heaven so there were a lot of times that he appeared it says many convincing proofs after his suffering that's after he died on the cross he appeared to them and, uh, and it says this that uh, he was speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God Now, we're not sure exactly what he was teaching them, but he was talking about the fact that one of the days the kingdom of God is going to happen when he comes as the king of kings and the the Lord of lords and rules in righteousness and justice. Notice what it goes on to say. He began to teach them, gathering them together, verse 4. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. Now, he told them, go back to the city. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Now, you've got to understand something. These men weren't from Jerusalem. They grew up in the northern part of Israel. Jerusalem is in the southern part of Israel. They grew up around the Sea of Galilee because most of them were fishermen. So it would seem natural that after Jesus is gone, they would all say, let's go back where we grew up. Let's go back home. But he's telling them, no, 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 don't go back up there. I want you to go to go into the city of Jerusalem. Notice he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for what the Father had promised. Well, what was the promise of the Father? Because notice he says, wait for the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who's going to come. In John chapter 16, he told them, the Holy Spirit has been with you, but he will be in you. And so God had promised them, Jesus had promised that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And he told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Let me read something to you. This, you don't have to turn back to right now, but this is from the Gospel of Luke. And it's verse 49, it's the same promise. He told them, he said, I am sending forth the promise of my Father. I want you to stay in the city until you're clothed with the power from on high. Jesus had told them that the power of the Holy Spirit was coming, that the Holy Spirit was going to come and be inside of them. Now, we're very fortunate. See, in that day and time, they, these people had believed in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was not indwelling them. He told them, go back to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come down as Acts chapter 2, verses 1-4. through four. That's the beginning of the church in which the body of Christ comes together. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell believers and unite them together. That happened then. From this point on, Anytime a person believes in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of him. Every one of you in this room, if you have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, and I hope every one of you have, the moment you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. And so he said to them, that hadn't happened yet, he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now here's the key. The key to ministry is the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do ministry in your power. You cannot serve God in your power. You can't do it. So all ministry has to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told them to wait till they have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you, we trust Jesus, He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can do the ministry. We're not able in our own power to do it. Notice He goes on to say in verse 5, John baptized with water. That's John the Baptist. But you will be baptized in the the word baptized means to be identified. It means placed in union. You will be placed in union, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now I want you to understand something. Jesus walked on the earth for 40 days, sent into heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came down. That's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and did just what he promised them. So he says, listen, I want you to go back to Jerusalem, I want you to wait right there until the power of the Holy Spirit comes, just as I promised you, and then that's when you do what I want you to do. That's when we fulfill the commission. Now, he gives some details. Notice this. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now that's a natural question, because they all knew that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he died on the cross, that he paid for sin, that he had risen again, that he's been walking on the earth for 40 days. They're assuming, well wait a minute, isn't, isn't this the time for the kingdom? You, you're the king. You died, you rose again, you dealt with sin. Isn't it time for you to rule? That's the natural thing they would think. In fact, if you go back to verse 3, he had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. So it's a good question. But he gives them a different answer. Verse 7. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says, It's not time. It's not for you to know about the kingdom. It's not time for the kingdom. See, I want you to understand, we're not in the kingdom. The kingdom is when Jesus Christ rules on the throne of Jerusalem as the king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to come a second time to the earth as the king. He came the first time to die. He's going to come the second time to reign. It's not time. And so he tells them, it's not time. I've got something else for you to do. And it's the same as for us. And look what he says in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. He basically says you're going to get God's power and it's going to be your job to go throughout the world and spread the message of Jesus Christ. It's not time for the kingdom. It's time for you to share your faith to tell people about the king. That's what he's going to do. And by the way, this commission that he gave to them is the same commission we have. I want you to see three things about this. First of all, when we see the commission, we're going to see the power. That's how they do it. We're going to see the purpose. That's what they are to do. And then we're going to see the place where they are to do it. Let's start first with the power. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. This is how they do what they do. Notice he says in verse 8, you will receive "...power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you." The word power really means, literally means the ability to do something. Now, in Greek, there are a couple of words. There's a Greek word called exousia, and it means the authority to do something. It means like, I give you the right to do this. This is a different Greek word. This is the Greek word dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. This means the ability to do something. This means like the strength or the power to do something. He says you're going to get power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes. The power and ability that you have to share your faith, And to talk about Christ and to teach the Bible and to go into the world and do the things you're supposed to do, it's not your power and strength. It's God's strength through you. The power is the Holy Spirit. He says you will receive ability, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This happened For them in acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 when the holy spirit came it happens for us the moment you believe when a person says i believe that jesus christ is my savior i'm trusting in him and him alone to give me eternal life that moment the holy spirit comes to live inside you and to empower you to give you ability to serve the living god that's why the bible talks about walk in the spirit be filled with the spirit the moment you believe in jesus that's the power so what so what does he says, How are we supposed to do this? That it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Second question is, What are we supposed to do? The purpose to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says You will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses will be witnesses of Christ. Now, to be a witness means to give an account. Now, we've all seen movies and maybe been to the courtroom, courthouse, where somebody stands up there and they say, do you swear to tell the whole truth? And you say, yeah, and I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to tell the truth. He says, you're supposed to be a witness of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to tell about Christ, tell what we know about Christ. Well, what do we tell? We tell He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He paid for sin, that He was buried, He rose again, that He gives eternal life to all who believe. That's what we are. When He says, you shall be my witnesses, it's witnesses of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as Savior. We're to tell people that. These guys, He said, that's what you're going to do? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to tell them how Jesus Christ is the Savior. As we as we put together Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and this whole idea, we find that we We have a commission. And we're to go out and to tell people about Jesus Christ and and lead them to Christ and then train them, equip them to do the same thing. That's called making disciples. The power is the Holy Spirit. The purpose is... Is to be witnesses. It takes us to the third thing. And that's the place. And the place is where to go. They where to start in Jerusalem. And then go to the end of the earth. Notice what it says. You should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem. That's the city. And in all Judea. That's a, a big province. A southern province in Israel. And Samaria. That's a province to the north. And even. Then he goes on and says. And then even to the remotest part of the earth. They begin right where they are. And that's a key. They begin right where they are. And it's true for us. Where do we begin? Where do we tell people about Jesus Christ? We begin right where we are. You remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about people say that I want to be a missionary and I want to go to China. I want to go to this place. I want to go to this place. The question you might ask them is, are you witnessing to people here? Because if you're not witnessing to people here, what makes you think you're going to witness to people somewhere else? We start where we are, and that means sometimes we start with our family. We start with people closest to us. We start with our next-door neighbors. We start with our friends. We start with our people that we hang around with. And you know, the truth is, sometimes the hardest people to witness to are our family, are our closest ones. They're the hardest. And he says, you shall start right here in Jerusalem, and then Judea, which is a province, and then on to Samaria and to the remotest part of the world. And that's what we're to do. We're to take the message of Jesus Christ. We're to start right where we are and begin to take the message. And we, we have to go, you know, the, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said the same thing, And you shall make disciples of all nations. We go through the whole world. We start where we are and it spreads out. Now you may say, well, I, I mean, how am I going to get it to Slovenia? How am I going to get it to China? How am I going to get it to India? How am I, I going to do that? Well, you may not personally. But you're going to help somebody else go there. As you give to countryside, as you give money, we have at least 23, 25 different missions that we support. And there are people in all different parts of the world that as you give, you're helping them to go there and tell the message of Jesus Christ. Now, you can give it to the closest person to you, but you'd say, but I want it to go to the end of the earth as well. Well, then as you give, some of that money is going to go to people who are in other parts of the world Telling the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, the ones we support, they're going to give a clear message of salvation. We do not support people who don't have a clear gospel message. So you don't have to worry. We're not going to support somebody who goes over there and tells them the wrong message. You can be assured that as you give, there are people going throughout the world. Telling people about Jesus Christ. It's very powerful. He told them, listen, what you're going to do is you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And then what I want you to be my witnesses, and you're going to start where you are in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and to the whole rest of the world. That's what we're supposed to do. Start right where we are. We have the message that saves. You have the most important message of the world. And as we talked about this, this is the time of the year in which people are more open they're all talking about Jesus, baby Jesus, and Christmas, and, and what a great time of the year, and how God loves us, and everything. And you can tell them the truth, that that baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world. That He is God who became a person to die for us, to give us eternal life. And so the commission is, how do we do it? We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. What do we do? We're witnesses of Jesus Christ Christ. Where do we go? We begin. There. They were beginning in Jerusalem and go to the entire world. We begin right where we are. And we are witnesses of Jesus Christ beginning where we are and making sure that message goes throughout the whole rest of the world. Now, when Jesus told them that, he has now completed all he was going to do. Remember, he left the glories of heaven to become a human being, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, conquered death, walked on the earth, gave the commission... And now he's leaving. He's going back to the Father. He's going back to the Father, which we call that the Ascension. Watch what happened. Look at verse 9. After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, would you, would you love to have been there? What if you're there talking to Jesus? He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other places. We go, okay, okay. And then suddenly he just starts lifting up. And he went right up into the clouds and disappeared. And all the guys were going like this. Where'd he go? And it says that while we were looking up, angels appeared, a couple of angels. And the angels said to them, why are you looking up there? Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. That's exactly what happened. And he had said these things. He was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. He ascended back to the Father. He told him he was going to do that. John 6.62, he said, What if you behold the Son of Man, ascending to where he was before. In John 20, verse 17, he told Mary, Stop clinging to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. That was his plan. Come to the earth, die on the cross, pay for sin. Be the Savior and then ascend back to the Father. I want you to see this. Go back to Luke chapter 24, the passage that we that we read earlier, and we saw in verse 50 that he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Watch what happens. Remember, it's the same, the same writer. While he was blessing them, he parted from them. And was carried up into heaven. Now Luke says it in a little bit different way. In the Gospel of Luke he said he was parted from them. This word literally means separated. It was as if they were all. He was just talking to them. Blessing them. Telling them about the commission. Because that's the details that we found in Luke. Excuse me. The book of Acts. And then he, then he goes. He was parted from them. It says he was parted from them. And was carried up into heaven. He's gone. Now two questions. Okay. Number one. Where is he? And number two, what's he doing? Because those are great questions. So here's the first question. Where is he? Well, the Bible tells us he's at the right hand of the Father. He's in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter one, verse 20 says, it talks about what God has done. He's brought about this in Christ when he has raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus Christ, when He ascended into heaven, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Now listen to this. I don't want you to turn there. I just want to read this to you. Okay? This is the book of Hebrews. I just want you to understand He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, When He had made purification for our sins, meaning when He had dealt with our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the main point in what we've been saying is this. We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. When he had offered, Jesus had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand hand of God. Where is Jesus right now? He sees the right hand of the Father. He has left this earth and sees the right hand of the Father. Now, He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere. And He's in you because the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. But He is seated right now in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. He left the glories of heaven, became a person, died for us, rose again, and went back. Now, the second Question, which is a key, is what's he what's he doing up there? What's he doing seated at the right hand of the Father? Well, there's a number of things, but there's three I want you to think about. One, he's gone to prepare a place for us. I'll explain them just in a second. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He is making intercession for us, and he's our advocate. Now, I want you to understand what he's doing right now. He is going to prepare a place for you. If you know Jesus Christ, his Savior, he's going to prepare a place for you. In John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and when it is ready, I will come back and get you. Now, I want you to understand something. Obviously, it's not ready. If it was ready, he'd already come back and got us. He is right now preparing a place for me and for you to be with him. The Bible talks about what we call the rapture in which he comes in the clouds. It's saying the dead in Christ will rise. He's going to come with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. This is uh, Second uh, Thessalonians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4. And it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds. He's going to prepare a place for us. That's what he's doing. There's a second thing that he's doing and that he's making intercession for us. Hebrews 725 says, he lives forever to make intercession. Do you realize that you can offer, you can come to God with any prayer request, anytime, any place, anywhere about anything, and he is your go-between, he is your intercessor. Now, a lot of times we, we, we end our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name we pray. That's not just to let everybody know we're finished. It is your authority to approach the living God because he's your intercessor. You actually say to God, I'm approaching you in the name of Jesus Christ. He is your intercessor. Hebrews 7.25 says he lives forever to make intercession for you. So you can bring any request, anything to him, anytime, any place, anywhere. Sometimes people say things, well, that, that's, that's too little. That's touch a little. Listen, is anything big to God? Everything's little to God. You can't bring anything too little or too big to God. Because He's God. So you can bring every request, anything you want to bring, just bring it to Him. He is your intercessor. But there's a third thing that He is doing for us, and He's your advocate. And the word advocate literally has an idea of a defense attorney. That's what it means. It has that idea. It's found in first John. It says, My little children, I don't want you to sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. That means when we sin and we confess our sin, First John one nine says, If we sin, we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. That means we go to God with our sin and we say, Lord, I, I did this wrong. We have a defense attorney there, that is Jesus, who is our advocate. Because we already know that Satan, who is the roaring lion, is the accuser of the brethren. So when he says, J.B. did this wrong, Jesus said, I've already paid for it, sit down. And he does that for you. Because he's your advocate. He's already taking care of your sin. All your sins have been placed on him. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And so not only is he preparing you a place, and not only is he your intercessor that you can bring any request, anything to him, he's your defense attorney that deals with your sins even now. Very powerful. As we carry out our commission to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, we know he's preparing a place for us. He, we can bring any request to him. He's our intercessor and he's our advocate. Look at their response. I'll go very quickly. After, and, and they, after worshiping him, he's already gone. After they worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshiped him. That's worship is responding to God, who he is and what he's done. They went back to Jerusalem. Why did they go back to Jerusalem. Because he told them to go back to Jerusalem. Go back and wait for the promise of the Father, the promises of the Holy Spirit. Notice they had great joy. We have great joy joy and then it goes on to say and they were continually in the temple praising god what were they doing from that point on they were continually praising god they were living for him they were serving him and as you go on to read the book of acts you see what they did they started in jerusalem and then went judea and samaria and through the whole rest of the world and we should do the same we should have great joy and praise as we fulfill the commission that Jesus Christ has given to us that we are witnesses to him. We uh, we have come to the end of the Gospel of Luke. Showing Jesus as the perfect man, the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. The last part talks about the good news, his death and resurrection, his salvation, and now his ascension. His present ministry for us now. So the Gospel ends with the apostles waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't have to do that. They, they didn't get the power of the Holy Spirit until Acts chapter 2. We have it right now. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He's our advocate and our intercessor and our power. Let me finish by applications fairly quickly. First of all, let's fulfill our commission. Let's fulfill the command. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are to to make disciples. We're to be witnesses of Christ. First of all, how do we do it? We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. What second is, what do we do? Our purpose is to be witnesses of Christ, His death and resurrection. And the bottom line is, where do we start? We start right where we are, and we go to the entire world. That's the plan. May we be faithful to fulfill this great commission. Number two, understand Christ's present ministry. Now, what is he doing right now? Think about it. He's with the Father. And first of all, where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father. Second, B, what's he doing? Preparing a place, making intercession. You can come to him with anything. And being our advocate when we sin. That's why Hebrews said you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because you have Jesus Christ as your advocate and your intercessor. Finally. Understand the gospel of Luke. I mean, think about it. First of all, Jesus is God who became a perfect man. That's when you think about the gospel of Luke. He he gives us more about his humanity than any of the other gospels. We see his birth. We see his childhood. We see his ministry. He's called the Son of Man. I mean, it's just powerful. So understand that. B, understand that he came to die and rise again. That's his purpose. He came to be the Savior. And C, he gives eternal life by faith to anyone who believes in him. We have eternal life. He is the payment for sin. He has conquered death and paid for sin. He is the Savior. May we fulfill our commission. Knowing our Savior Jesus Christ who died and rose again gives eternal life to all who believe. May we understand He's at the right hand of the Father may being our advocate and our intercessor and preparing a place for us. At this time of the year, this is the best time ever to tell people about Jesus. It's Christmas. People are listening. They're open. Be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage! Thank you, Lord, for the Gospel of Luke and how powerful it is. And Lord, we think about the commission that you've given us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to be witnesses of the death and resurrection of our Savior, and we're to start where we are and we're to go to the entire world. Lord, may we be faithful to do that. Use us, Lord, to do that. We just want to do that. Lord, thank you that Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's preparing a place for us, and He's our intercessor no matter what. We want to lift up and Lord, thank you that He's our advocate, that He that He deals with our sins for us, and He's our Go between, and we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Lord, thank you for our study of the Gospel of Luke. Lord, it was a long study, but it was so good, so much in there that we can apply in our lives. Help us to know it, Lord. Realize that Jesus is the perfect Son of God who became a man, who died and rose again and gives eternal life to all who believe. Use us, Lord, at this time of the year to tell people clearly on the whole purpose of Christmas that Jesus was born to die, born as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Savior, and whoever believes believes in Him has eternal life. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.